Hello, and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Dr. John Strax, a family practitioner who uses integrative medicine and mind-body approaches in the treatment of illness and chronic pain. Welcome. Hey, John. Um, Dr. Strax is a family practitioner in Chicago. He has been doing a holistic integrative medicine approach with his patients for many years. In the last five years, he's evolved into a very specific set of treatments and approach that we will, we will discover in this half of the show. So anyway, John, welcome back to the show, and I appreciate you taking your time to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So in the first segment, we talked about your evolution, where you came from, where you train some patient success stories. As you know, there's, I don't know how many <clears throat> practitioners in the country take our approach. So the basic philosophy is to sort of calm down the nervous system, helping people feel safe, um, teaching their own self-management skills, et cetera. But what I'm curious about, you trained with Dr. Sarno and Dr. Schubner, who are my mentors also. So what I'm really curious about is how your approach evolved, what it basically is now, and then some of the experiences you've had teaching patients in group settings that have been helpful. So anyway, let's go back to the beginning where, uh, let me have you introduce yourself a little bit more again about where you're at and how you evolved to where you're at. Sure. And I, you know, I'm a family medicine physician in Chicago. I did my training at the University of Chicago for medical school and the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor for residency and fellowship. I did a combined residency in family medicine and integrative medicine in Ann Arbor. And I chose that specifically because I was interested in this kind of medicine before I even got to medical school. When I moved to Chicago to start practicing in 2009, I told Northwestern Hospital that I wasn't coming unless they would let me practice this type of mind-body medicine. And luckily they were interested and they had a, an integrative medicine center that I was placed in when I got there. And so I, you know, I had spent some time with Dr. Sarno and I had spent a lot of time in Michigan with Dr. Schubiner. And Dr. Schubiner and I, when he very first started his program, Unlearn Your Pain was just a, a manual that he used for a group class that he taught over a three-week time period. And so I would frequently drive from Ann Arbor to, uh, to Southfield, north of Detroit on Tuesday evenings and, and help him run the group. And then when I was a fellow in my fourth year of, of residency training, I decided to set up some of my own groups in the Ann Arbor area and three or four patients would come in at a time and we'd talk about what they were learning and how they were doing and a number of them got better. And so when I got to Chicago, I brought that group idea with me and for a long time, I actually just used Unlearn Your Pain as a text for the, the class and kind of evolved into a little bit more of a discussion than, than a classroom format at that time. And so I would see people for an individual consultation. They'd have heard that I had worked with Dr. Sarno and I tried to get my name out there as somebody who did this kind of work. And so mostly people from the Chicago area, but sometimes people from Indiana or Wisconsin or Iowa would come in. And I got, you know, when I first started working at Northwestern, I had a whole hour to see new patients. And okay. So I would spend time with them. I would find out what their history was. I would 
um, get a sense about how they learned about, about you or Dr. Schubiner or Dr. Sarno. And I would try to help them put together what we know about this intersection between what's going on in people's lives and what's going on in people's bodies. And not always, but oftentimes you could see that there were significant stressors going on at the time that the pain or the symptoms started. And so I would point that out to people. And then frequently I would recommend that they join me for this group discussion. And so it was the same way, three, four, five, six patients at a time would get together with me once a week for four or five weeks. And each week I'd come back and say, how are you doing? And get a sense of what they were working on. And part of the power was hearing me say over and over and over again, both to the individual patient and everybody else in the room, we need to think, this, think about this in non-physical ways. What's going on in your life? What are you thinking about? How are you feeling? And let's not focus on what's going on in the body because the research says that that's not where the seat of the pain is. Right. And over the weeks, as people listened to, to me talk to them, as they listened to what other people would say, as they shared ideas that were working for them, as they listened to other people's struggles that were similar to theirs, people would get better. Um, I remember one rather dramatic story early on, a, uh, a patient of mine who was 20 years old, she was actually the daughter of a friend of mine, and she was particularly bright and insightful, and she had had back pain for five years, had been to almost everybody in Chicago for it. And, and we talked about kind of what was going on in her life that was causing the stress. And so she came to the first class the first week, and she said, you know, I think I understand this. And she came to the second week, and she said, I think I'm getting better and then she missed the third week because she went hang gliding instead. Oh. That is a totally true story. She missed class to go hang gliding. But, wow. but it was it's remarkable to, to watch people as they start to evolve and start to understand their symptoms in a different way and as they start to get better. My experience has been that the number one obstacle to healing pain is simply your willingness to learn new ideas and engage. And once people say the phrase, I think I'm getting better, I think it's almost 100% hundred percent of people get better eventually, maybe a few months, maybe even a year or two. Mm -hmm. But once they decide to, I, I would use the word, suspend disbelief, mm -hmm. then people start to heal. Is that a, mm -hmm. would, you, would you agree with that? Yeah. I think the language that I frequently use with people is that I feel like getting better is a two-part process. And the first part people need to understand the nature of pain. And so that's where the education goes. Right. And if, if I say that the pain is not necessarily physical in origin and people say that's ridiculous, it's, I know that this is a spinal issue, then all the other things that we recommend aren't necessarily going to be helpful. But so the right. first step is understanding what's going on. From there, it turns out there's a lot of different things that people can do. People can journal write and people can meditate and people can talk with other people who have healed and they can listen to your podcast and they can listen to me talk and they can join my class and they can talk with psychotherapists. And so there's so many different pathways forward, but the very first step is understanding the true nature of pain. Right. I mean, it turns out as Howard Schumer has said so clearly, I mean, chronic pain is a disease of the brain. It's an inflamed system and Absolutely. you have permanently memorized circuits. It's like riding a bicycle. And the more you try to fix it, the worse it gets because 
what you're trying to do is, is to stimulate neuroplasticity where you create a different nervous system, like an alternate virtual desktop on your computer. And I'm convinced you can rewire literally around anything. I just been blown away. I didn't usually think that for instance, phantom limb pain could disappear because there's no limb. Mm-hmm. And so we've had some very dramatic examples of phantom lane, phantom limb pain completely disappearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought there was a certain point of no return. I just talked to a patient. I never met the person. It wasn't really a patient. Somebody had to use some work in Southern California. Again, similar approaches. Jumped into my book about a year, two years ago. He'd had 27 surgeries, 20 years of chronic pain, high dose opioids, two suicide attempts, mm-hmm. as miserable as could be. And he's now been pain-free for about four years. I was blown away because I always thought there's a certain threshold that chronic pain wasn't solvable. I'm now convinced it's solvable in anybody. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? I believe that. I think you know the, the research that's been done on neuroplasticity over the last 10, 12, 15 years shows that there can be a tremendous amount of healing that happens in the nervous system. And so... I don't recall somebody coming into my office who wants to work on pain in this way, who I've said, oh, no, no, I don't think that you can, uh, that you can heal in this way. And sometimes people are disbelieving and I say like, okay, like, you know, pain in your mind, pain in your body. We don't know exactly what the ratio is. I always find that the ratio is much higher in the direction of the mind. But, but say it's 50-50, like if we could get your pain 50% better, isn't that worth doing work in this area? And right. I think that's a way to get people started. And then they find that they can get much better than 50% better as they go along. I'd like to discuss in a little bit of detail your experience with group therapies. Did you know, is it Dr. DeCepio from Chicago who wrote that book called Loneliness? Do you, do you Cassiopo, John Cassiopo. Did you know him personally? I did. I actually, he was at the University of Chicago. And so um, frequently uh, medical students between their first and second year will do a research project. And so I worked with him the summer in between those first two years and the fall of year two, worked in his lab doing some of the research on the physiology of loneliness with him. Was he a neuroscientist or a physician? What, what was his background? He was a psychologist. Okay. He was a cognitive, uh, cognitive behavioral psychologist, I believe, but his background was in psychology. So he wrote a book that I thought was pretty profound called Loneliness. Mm-hmm. And he was one that pointed out that emotional pain and physical pain are processed in a similar manner, mm-hmm. that when people are socially isolated, they develop pretty much the same symptoms as chronic. I mean, they develop chronic pain. Mm-hmm. And as you know, I've held multiple workshops back east at, at the Omega Institute, one in Seattle. And I think the group setting is very powerful. So we create a structure, we do some didactic, we share experiences. And every time we do this, there's a tremendous shift in people's pain and mood. And I finally decided that it had little to do with me. I think in a structured situation where people feel safe, that people actually heal each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious, um, so your experiences in that group setting, I'm, I'm guessing it's one of your more enjoyable parts of your practice. I, I just had a great time with it. So I'm curious about your thoughts about the group setting being one of the better places to solve chronic pain. I do. I, you know, I sort of kind of randomly have been running groups since ever since I've been an adult. And so I started my career in social work, interestingly, and I was a group worker in inner city Chicago. So I had run classrooms and after school groups and weekend groups. And I worked in outdoor education for a while. And so it just happens to be a setting that I'm very, very comfortable in. 
And I think, you know, we try to create some safety within the group. We don't let people give advice to anybody else in the group and we make sure that everything's confidential. But when people feel like they can share what's really going on, these kinds of groups allow them to share some of their struggles and symptoms in ways that they can't with anybody else. And so that's something that I frequently hear is that people will say, there's, there's really nowhere else for them to talk about their pain and symptoms in a way that people will understand. And so just having people there and being able to, to share this with other people and not feel so alone gives people a tremendous advantage as they're trying to heal. I also think that just being with other people who are working in similar ways, and there's a lot of cross-pollination of ideas as people say, like, that really worked with, for me, or that book was really great, or I listened to one of Dr. Hansen's podcasts, and it was so on topic. And it provides a way for people to, to really share their successes and share their struggles as well. But, right. um, but I really like that dynamic. You know, I think that hope is a huge deal because a lot of people obviously when they're stuck in chronic pain and they keep getting disappointed by the ineffectiveness of current medical care, they get pretty discouraged. And when I talk to the people that have healed or are healing, I think it's a, actually there's data that shows that optimism, optimism in and of itself is a major factor in healing from chronic pain. Mm -hmm. And I think you're, so what percent of your practice now is in the group setting? I'd say it's still a relatively small amount in the group setting. I, when I was at the big hospital, I would say that 2% of my practice was just 2% was mind body medicine. People right. who were coming to work on pain in different ways. And I had kind of convinced myself that there wasn't, you know, people weren't looking for it okay. and that it was too difficult or whatever else. And as soon as I left the hospital, it immediately jumped up to 20% of my practice okay. in that area. And then over the two and a half years, that's probably grown to about a third at this point. Wow. And so if I see you know, 50 people in a week, you know, 15 to 20 of them will be talking about this and then maybe five to 10 of those will be participating in a group session at any given time. And so it's not all of my practice, but it's, right. it's a portion. And how often do you hold the groups in the evening or in the day? Which was, how often do you hold the groups? How do you get into the yeah. groups? Yeah. So I hold them in the evening, usually Tuesday evenings, five thirty to seven o'clock Chicago time. Okay. I, um, people who have generally, generally people who have seen me for individual consultations, but occasionally people from elsewhere who have not. And as I talk with people, the first time I meet them, one of the things I try to do is say, uh, yes, I think you're safe to treat your pain and symptoms in this way. And then, and then these are the things that I would get started doing. And so if I feel like this kind of group format will be helpful for people, then I recommend it. And that's how people end up in the classes. In the, in the current iteration of the classes that I teach, it's a combination of discussion. And so we might spend the first 45 minutes checking in with people, getting a sense of how they're doing, what's working, what's not working. And then I've developed a number of topics over time that I feel like are relevant to healing. And so one week we might talk about journal writing and one week we might talk about meditation and visualization and expressing emotions, setting boundaries, not thinking catastrophically. I try to make sure that one of the important topics that I've identified uh, gets discussed every single week with people. And I'm guessing that 
there's some people that are stalled in individual treatment that actually start to thrive in the group setting. I think that's true. You know, as you're talking about it, you're reminding me that there's a model for group medical visits outside of what I do. And there's a textbook for group medical visits right. where they'll bring in eight or 10 or 12 people uh, at a time, sometimes to talk about the same condition, but sometimes actually to talk about whatever condition that person has on that given day. The author of that textbook has remarked in print that those groups were so helpful for their patients with fibromyalgia that he is convinced that it's not that fibromyalgia can't be cured. It's just that we're using the wrong techniques of using an individual appointment for people when right. what they really need is the power of the group. Well, the, the, a Cigna study done a few years ago on 20,000 people showed that 53% of Americans, no matter what part of the country you're from, suburban, um, city, rural, 53% um, of Americans are socially isolated. Then when you're in chronic pain, you're not in the mood to talk to anybody, so the isolation becomes worse. And then when I went through my own chronic pain experience, the loneliness was crushing. I cannot, this may be one of the worst parts of the entire experience. It was mm -hmm. absolutely crushing. So I think, I think the group study is really key. There's a group called Integrated Pain Solutions in um, the Pinehurst area of North Carolina that they adopted the DOC project into their system about a year and a half ago. And they had 10 pain clinics, 16 providers, mostly fine practitioners and nurse practitioners. And over half the practice now is in the group setting where they have two hours per session. Mm -hmm. they, have, they have to come once a month for a year. Mm -hmm. They had one person drop out. The average morphine equivalents, again, this is a pain center, has dropped from about 100 milligrams a day down to about 40. Mm -hmm. And what happens instead of being with the provider just for 15 minutes, they now have two hours of exposure to the provider and the people. Then what happens, a person runs the group, and every 15 minutes, a nurse practitioner or a physician comes in and takes care of the medical care. Mm -hmm. And it's starting to work really well for them. I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that those studies have shown is that, so, you know, say you have eight um, eight patients over a two hour period. And so each of them essentially gets 15 minutes of time right. from the provider, but all eight of them feel like they got two hours Correct. of time from the provider. And so, you know, you do that math and it's a tremendous amount of care that people can get in a relatively short time span. Yeah, no, it's been good. Um, so going back to the first part of the conversation, I'm just curious if I'm your patient for the first time, you have such mm -hmm. a situation that I'm maybe a little stressed because of financial issues, um, I've had back pain for about five years, and we've got some education going. What's your just overall approach to getting me better? Do you start with mm -hmm. sleep stress, just getting to know me? What, what's your general, what, what do you think yeah. about your practice that makes people become so successful so consistently? Yeah. And so uh, people come to see me in a couple of different flavors. And so there are people who have read your book or Dr. Sarno's book or Dr. Schumanner's book who, who come into my office with a copy of your book in, in their hand and say, like, I read this and I know that this is what's going on. And so that conversation's a little bit different than somebody who comes and said, you know, I've got five years of back pain and I'm trying to figure out what to do because nothing else has worked. And so right. in either scenario, the first thing I'm doing is spending time with people. And so by the time I left the hospital, my, my 60 minute intake visits had gone down to 23 minutes. That was how okay. much time I was allotted per person, 23 minutes. Gotcha. And so I built that back up to 60 or even 75 minutes in the clinic okay. I'm in 
currently. And so we spend the first half an hour just with me sort of listening to what people say and hearing their story. And I don't have a computer in the room, and so I don't type as I'm talking with people. I'm just trying to get a sense of who they are and what they've been dealing with. And so that's the very first thing that I do. If somebody has never heard about this concept before, then I'll oftentimes say, you know, say they're coming in with back pain. I'll say, you know, there actually there are a lot of things other than medication and surgery that we can do for back pain. It's not infinite, but there are a lot. And I'll list out some of them. And, you know, I may not even start with this. I may say, you know, I have some acupuncture colleagues who are quite good, or we've got a massage therapist on staff who might be helpful for you. But ultimately, in almost every situation, I'll say, pretty tentatively, there are some people who think that in certain situations, stress and other life factors can come out in physical ways. And actually, some of my patients who have learned that have done quite remarkably well right. over time. And that piques some people's interest, and then we'll have a further discussion about that. If you came in and said, you know, you say you came in with a copy of your book and said, I'd like to be treated in this way, we would still spend that first half an hour with me getting to know you and who right. you are and what's going on in your life. And then I'd examine you and I'd look at any old records that you had. And at the end of that time, I'd say, you know what, Dave, I think you're correct. I don't think this is a spinal issue. I think this is more of a life issue. And so let's think about what you can do that's going to help you heal from here. And then we'll spend the second half an hour putting together a detailed plan for that given individual because everybody's pathway forward is a little bit different. And so I might say, I want you to journal this way for this amount of time. And I want you to start listening to this particular podcast. And I think you'd be really benefit from the groups that uh, we're putting together. And I'd like you to talk with this patient who had a similar condition and is now doing quite well. And I want you to just write down on a piece of paper 20 times a day, I'm going to get better. I'm not sick. I'm going to get better. I'm not sick or something along those lines. Right. And we really try to plot out the next four to six weeks for people and what they're going to do to move forward in this particular healing kind of way. And if a person decides to engage with you and establish a rapport with you, what percent of the time do you think they're going to get better? Not necessarily over what period of time, could be a year or two, but eventually if they stick with the program, what are the chances of getting better? I think that people who stick with the program have an extremely high ability to get better just by the fact that they've sort of taken the step of coming to see me and learning more about the nature of pain that already puts them a step ahead. And then people who work on it. And, you know, one of the things that you hear and I hear is that people hear all kinds of stories of people who like learned about this and then got better the next day. And I really try to normalize right. the process for people. It can be right. weeks. It could be months. I have patients who get just like a little teeny tiny bit better each week for years and years before right. they feel like they're substantially better. But if people stick with it, I think a high percentage of those get better. It's interesting that you said that I've had three emails <clears throat> in the last two weeks of people that I started working with three, four, five years ago. And I'll just say this tongue in cheek. I sort of gave up because I kept struggling, struggling, struggling. And I go, okay, yeah. whatever. And all three of them, all of a sudden, bam, they're pain-free. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating that yeah. they stuck with it. The brain changes. I mean, you're causing the brain to change. I mean, you can't force your brain to change. You can allow it to change. Mm -hmm. You just kept moving forward, moving forward. And all of a sudden, they just popped out of a level. They just had no idea. Mm -hmm. My experience has also been that once people come out of their pain pathways, not only do they get better, 
they actually thrive at a level they've never experienced before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's an interesting phenomenon that I see regularly and that I talk about regularly that, you know, like I said, I have patients who will sit on panels and talk about their experience, but a number of them say that ultimately they're grateful for having had the pain, which for people who are just learning about it sounds completely insane. Right. But I've had patients who have said like they had places to go and they had things that they needed to do. And if it wasn't for the pain, they never would have had the courage to push forward and learn about these new skills and new frontiers for them. And I have heard that over and over and over from people. Well, John, thanks for your time. I mean, this is phenomenal. <clears throat> we'll probably have another podcast or two to talk about some more of these other, other details. But um, could you let the audience know, again, exactly where you're at, how to get a hold of you, how to access some of your classes, et cetera, also the telemedicine? Sure. I uh, am located in on the near northwest side of Chicago at 1828 West Webster in Chicago. Easiest way to get in touch with me is through my website, which is www.drstrax, that's D-R-S-T-R-A-C-K-S dot com. Uh, we also have a phone number 312-489-8890. Our staff actually answers the phone, which makes us different from most medical practices these days. I see people in Chicago. I also do some work with people remotely. So even if you're not in Chicago, please contact us if you're interested in working with us. And we do run most of our groups online and so they can be able to accessed from, from really anywhere in the world. Oh, great. Well, I did <clears throat> I have to tell you, I mean, John is a tremendous resource for the Midwest. There's very, people, very few people that are doing what he's doing at the depth and breadth that he's doing it. And I think he and I are both hoping, that's what my mission is and his is too, to not only train patients, but other practitioners to learn these same concepts because it's remarkably successful. And most physicians that literature shows um, actually dislike treating chronic pain. And we have found that it is by far the most rewarding phase of our careers that we've ever seen. Take somebody without any hope and watch them come out of the pain and actually thrive at this level. It's just remarkably rewarding. And for me as a surgeon, it's completely surprising. I'm always continually amazed by this process. So I'm excited that you're doing what you're doing. <clears throat> you're in the Midwest, so you're relatively centered to a lot of people. And don't hesitate even to hop on a plane and see him. I think you'll find a remarkable experience by um, by working. Absolutely. Our new office is right off the expressway from the, high, from the airport. And so okay. um, anybody can come in and get right to our office. Cool. Well, John, thank you very, very much. Thanks for having me. It was delightful. It's good to see you, Dave. I'd like to thank our guest, John Strax, for being on the show today and explaining his holistic approach to the treatment of chronic pain. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to return next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And remember to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.